0: Our scripture for Good Friday is Matthew chapter 27 verses 33 through 56. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down they kept watch over him there. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their head and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until about three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema Sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God! Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee sons. This is God's word for us today. Here we are at Good Friday. By this point of Jesus' march to death, Judas had betrayed him. Peter had denied him. His case went before the Sanhedrin. Then he was given up to Pilate, who wanted nothing to do with him. But Pilate listened to the Jewish crowds when they asked for Barabbas' release and they shouted for Jesus to be crucified. Jesus has been mocked, stripped of his clothes, and beaten so brutally that he could not carry his own cross. Simon of Cyrene had to carry it for him. And now we meet Jesus at the cross, at the place where Jesus has been promising his death. And that's what we see, Jesus dying on the cross. When we encounter the cross as we study, learn, and get to know Jesus, our natural question is why? Why is this necessary? We have the ability from 2,000 plus years away from this event to study the cross with a clinical detachment. In fact, there are at least seven major explanations of why God used the cross as a means of salvation, and we call them atonement theories like the scientific method, can be used to dissect all of God's action at this pivotal moment. Paul and the early church would spend decades trying to decode the meaning of the cross because it is a difficult thing to encounter, comprehend, and accept. Ultimately, Paul's explanation for the cross would be that God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him, we could become the righteousness of God. Paul said that Jesus became sin, the thing that has separated us from oneness with God since the beginning. So that through his death, we could be reunited with God and God's righteousness. And we could use all of the the flowery language available to us to describe the magnitude of the cross, but the reality of Jesus' death is not flowery at all. N.T. Wright reminds us that there were probably 50 people within 10 feet of Jesus on the cross, jostling, shouting, jeering, pointing, spitting, and some weeping. Matthew, the Gospel writer, weaves the Psalms into Jesus' suffering. Psalm 69, 21 says, They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. And Psalm 22 begins with, My God, my God, why have you left me all alone? the very words that Jesus cried out to God on the cross. Matthew does this to connect Jesus's story to Israel's, but also because the Psalms are some of the most honest explorations of what it is like to be a human that we find in scripture. And as we've already named this week, the experience of death is what marks us as profoundly human. Death is mundane in the most brutal way. There is no decorum at Jesus' execution. The people did not watch from a respectable distance. Even the religious people, who had praised him a week before as he walked into Jerusalem, mocked and taunted him. They asked him on the cross, just as Satan did in the desert at the beginning of his ministry, to save himself if he truly was the Son of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit. And we see the world turning upside down, just as Jesus had predicted. We see the ushering in of a new era and covenant taking root in the world. The sky darkens. The curtain of the temple is torn as God's home ceases to be in the holies of holies. But in the presence of Christ, which is available to us all, the earth shakes. And the dead are raised as a way to communicate that what happened on the cross affects all of it. All of creation, alive or dead, it matters in an eternal way. I think sometimes we get stuck in the humanity of the story. Jesus dies just like we will all die. It makes sense that his life would end even in this brutal and public way. But in this story, we are called to remember that God, who never needed to know the reality, the feeling of death, came to suffer on a cross for our sake. Not only does God know the pain of death, but God also lived it through Jesus. And you and I suffer death every single day, whether it is the literal death that rocks us to our core, or it is the smaller experiences of death in our life, like the death of a dream or a relationship that stings when we touch it. We have all been there in the midst of death, both big and small, because it is simply a part of life. We know how death feels. But how does it feel for God to join us in death? As we listen to where You There? Think about your experiences of death in your life, big and small. Where does God meet you in those deaths? Where do you feel forsaken by God? And where do you feel unbalanced at the fact that the world is turning upside down around you? to the tree, were you there? tremble tremble